you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. It is me, your man, G. Marcus Grant. Back with you for another Monday as we get closer to the start of actual real live football, not just preseason stuff, but like the real stuff. Behind the glass, as always, is producer Christina. Happy Monday, Christina. Happy Monday. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Doing well. How was your weekend? Long. Uh, that's is that better or worse? It's a good than, thing. Okay. I would say it's a good thing. Okay, no, I, it's I, better I, than it being too short. Right. No, that's what I was thinking too. But usually, like when you say like, "How's your week been?" Somebody's like, "Long." That sounds awful. But like, you know, so I, I, <laughs> it was very busy. Okay. We'll put it that way. All right, that's cool. Um, I had the the good pleasure of being in Canton, Ohio, this weekend for the first ever Kings Classic Fantasy Football Draft. Uh, shout out to Bob Long at Big uh, Big Guy Fantasy Sports. Brad Evans at Yahoo, who put this thing together. 24 of us set into two divisions, did two drafts apiece, a snake draft and an auction draft. Some of you who follow along on Twitter probably saw it. But shout-out to those guys for putting this thing together. And shout-out to the folks at the Pro Football Hall of Fame for hosting a bunch of fantasy nerds to come and do a draft. It was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully this is the first of many. We got cool T-shirts. It was awesome. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for that. But that was a lot of fun. But – Get to my guest here in studio with me. First off, you know him, you love him. It's our old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's the poop? What's the poop, Marcus G? Uh, you're sounding good here. I love it. Muzzle tub on the trip to Canton, Ohio to see all those gold jackets on the wrong side of the uh, Ohio-Pennsylvania border. <laughs> Nevertheless, <laughs> I'm sure it was a festive trip. Uh, it was a lot of fun, absolutely. And uh, hopefully I get to do it again at some point. Uh, also joining me today, and a guy who is joining our staff, uh, our new fantasy researcher, some of you who are deep into fantasy Twitter probably know him. He does uh, work over at Fantrax. Uh, he's done a podcast over at Fantrax, and now he's uh, joining our staff here, and it is, it's Michael Florio, not the one you're probably thinking of, but it's our own Michael Florio. Mike, welcome to the team. Glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, and yeah, I get... Everyone who meets me basically asks if I'm related or if I am that Mike Florio. So. Uh, you know, if it makes you feel better, uh, our own Michael Fabiano shares names with an opera singer. Okay. And uh, I think there's crossover in their tweet mentions as well. You know, people looking for <laughs> opera tips versus, you know, the, the, I think the opera guy gets, you know, angry fantasy tweets too. Every well, day. we've worked with a guy here named Tom Brady. That's right. At the NFL. Imagine that. And then <laughs> behind the glass currently – is a guy named Eddie Murphy. Right. We just went ahead and started calling him Eddie Spaghetti to avoid any confusion on that. Maybe that's what you need to do with this Michael Florio. Just going formal with the Michael is not enough, friend. It doesn't help, too, that, one, he covers football, and, two, that he doesn't have a personal Twitter account. So I guess when people (laughs) search his name, I come up, and I get angry tweets all the time. All right. Well, by the end of this episode, Marcus G., your show, but I think we need to determine – a new name for Michael Florio yeah, for he, for your own good. good. That that'll be something we put out on. Uh, let's put that out to the Twitterverse maybe and see if we can uh, make that happen. Mm. So, uh, plenty to talk about today. We'll certainly talk about uh, some of the AFC North teams because we have notorious Steeler fan here, Dave Damashek, with us. So we'll talk some Steelers, some Browns. Uh, we'll also 
Talk about name pronunciations because there's a mm. quarterback in the National Football League who told us that we have been pronouncing his name wrong the whole time. And we'll also talk to Liz Loza, who's an analyst over at Yahoo Fantasy. Get her thoughts on some guys who can bounce back, some guys with upside, all sorts of good stuff like that. But first, let's do some news. It's been a long offseason without football, but FanDuel has spent it getting into the best shape of their lives. That means FanDuel is ready for more because, I mean, they're BSOHL. More ways to play, more ways to challenge your friends, and most importantly, more ways to win. If you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play. They have all kinds of contests just for casual fans. In particular, beat the score contests are great because they pay out everyone who hits a certain score. So all you have to do is finish in the money to split an equal share of the cash. FanDuel also has new options for playing with your friends because the only thing better than winning cash is winning your friends' cash. Heck yeah. Best of all, FanDuel is doing their part to make the preseason bearable with preseason fantasy contests running up to week one of the NFL. Right now, you can get a $20 bonus when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. That's free money right there. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash FantasyLive. That's FanDuel.com slash FantasyLive. Age and state restrictions apply. All right, we will start with news that literally just hit just as we were sitting down to start recording this podcast. Uh, It had been... Uh, reported earlier that Adrian Peterson was set to visit the Washington Redskins. Uh, they were going to talk to him. They were supposed to talk to Jamal Charles. They actually worked out Orleans Darkwa. But with Darius guys out for the season with Samaj P. Ryan and Byron Marshall having ankle injuries, Washington has officially signed the 33-year-old Adrian Peterson, a guy who played 10 games last season between Arizona and New Orleans. Ran for just 529 yards, but uh, as I was reading earlier, is 37 yards away from passing Jim Brown for 10th all-time on the rushing list. Needs one more touchdown for 100. So it seems like those things will happen. But, Dave, I'll start with you. Any reason to be excited that Adrian Peterson's in Washington? Well, I I don't love where he is as a player. The idea that because Frank Gore is the exception that proves the rule that everybody has talked about for a decade now that uh, 30 is not a good number to have uh, on your running back uh, in your starting backfield in fantasy or in real football terms. I do think the offensive line could be pretty good, though, in D.C. They had a lot of uh, bad luck there in 2017. So there is a chance to make a little bit of hay there. And I do think that Alex Smith is in line for a decent season as well. So I don't think it's a a ridiculous idea. And I think you can get him with uh, some great value. Who's going to jump all over Adrian Peterson at this point? Yeah, I think he has to go outside of the, the top 10 rounds. If you get him maybe as a late-round flyer, I'm okay with it. But he hasn't played well since 2015. You look at it, last year he had two big games. But outside of those two games where he had 134 and 159 yards, he topped 50 yards just once. So I'm not really interested in AP here. That's kind of how I feel, like, do not want. I guess it's it's fun. It's nostalgic. Um, also, let's keep in mind the guy who has had knee problems in the past is playing on arguably the worst field in the National Football <laughs> League now. In D.C., so we'll see how this works out. Also, I've, P. Ryan could be all right still. Mm-hmm. Just his rookie season is not enough to declare him uh, mediocre. Chris Thompson, when when he's right, uh, you know, I think he's um, is going to get mixed in there as well. But I think Adrian Peterson, the other thing with him is we say, oh, well, he's got to be outside the top 10 or in an auction. 
some dope in the league is going, <laughs> oh, it's Adrian Peterson. It's Adrian Peterson. Well, he's good, right? And peop- somebody will overspend for him. Someone will reach for him, and he won't be your problem. I mean, speaking, we, we started the show talking about Mike Florio here and the confusion. But remember, there were two Adrian Peterson running That's backs right. in the league at, at one point. There were the Vikings' Adrian Peterson, who became the big-time star, and then the Bears had an Adrian Peterson who was not quite a big-time star. That's right. There was also, did you know, uh, there was a Cam Newton in yes. the NFL somewhere in the 21st century. Yes, there's a Cam Newton. There were two Alex Smiths in the league at the same time, too. One, was, right. a, one was a tight end, and then the other one was a quarterback. So My favorite is always the fantasy horror stories where someone nominates like the other Adrian Peterson, yes. and someone jumps in like a $30 bid or something in an auction and then ends up with that Oh, player. we had Steve Smith as well. So it was probably the most noteworthy example that of one, the and, century. And a couple years ago when the Cardinals' David Johnson first made hay and people were running off the waiver wire, the Chargers also had a backup tight end named David Johnson oh, yeah. that got snagged off the waiver wire in a lot of unfortunate leagues. So there you go. Uh, other news headlines, uh, A.J. McCarron. Can I just say, if oh, yes. you make that mistake, though, if uh, I think you got to uh, – listen, you got to be brutal with this. Okay. If you – if somebody in your league picks up the wrong – Steve Smith or the wrong Adrian Peterson, tough for them. Yes, no. You know, oh, yeah, you well, I've done who that. I wanted. Well, then That's too pay bad. more attention, right. fella. That's too bad. No, you get no sympathy from me. Uh, A.J. McCarron is needing further testing on his collarbone. He's looking for a second opinion uh, after having a hairline fracture, being reported to have a hairline fracture after uh, this weekend's game against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Bills defenders, their, their defense is saying Josh Allen is impressive. Josh Allen and the man I'm starting to call office space, hey, Peter, man, uh, as they're, they're battling for the quarterback spot. Uh, Mike, do you do you care? Does it matter which guy wins this job? Sadly, I do care because I'm a Bills fan. Oh, that's right. I forgot <laughs> about that. Which You, I think, have doubled the amount of Bills fans in the company now. Just uh, You're from New York City? How do you want? Oh, because you're an age that made it so that the first thing you saw was the Jim Kelly Oh, I, I don't have any rem- – like memory of that at all. At like, least you can ha- go with <laughs> go with that because that's the only <laughs> that's, thing that gives you any dignity. That's why <laughs> exactly. Yeah, of course. No, but I do. I I've been watching the quarterback competition probably more closely than than most people just because I am a Bills fan. But I will say I while I did not want them to draft Josh Allen and I kind of thought you know we were going to be making fun of him a lot if he got the opportunity to start. He's won me over and I think. He should be the starter coming into week one. Nate Peterman, I still can't forgive him for what he did last year, <laughs> almost costing the Bills uh, the, their playoff opportunity. But other than that, I mean, we all know Josh Allen has a cannon. He is a, a better athlete than Nate Peterman, and I think he has played more impressive. Like, his play has been more impressive than Peterman so far in the preseason. I don't see what Peterman is owed, like why he should get first crack at starting. I think you should give it to the guy that you drafted to be your franchise quarterback. Agree with that. I mean, I you know, it, it's funny that when you talk to baseball people and there's an up-and-comer, they say, should we put him out on the hump? Oh, well, it might ruin his confidence long-term, and you don't want to do that for some short-term benefit. You don't hear that as much in the NFL about players and with quarterbacks that you're going to ruin him for the, for the future. But Josh Allen, unless the Buffalo Bills, unless anyone in that organization can say with any confidence, hey, you know, if things fall just right, we could win the Super Bowl with Nate Peterman, then why wouldn't you go with the kid? I don't understand the logic in the free agency era, why you would burn a year of him under your control using a guy who you know is not the future of the franchise. That's why you drafted Josh Allen, because you knew you didn't have him in-house already, so may as well start the future now. Well, and I think that's I think that's a big part of it, too, as you're talking about, you know, a team that 
they don't they don't have another quarterback that they know they can roll with. I mean, it's not like Cleveland where you can put Tyrod, Tarod, you can put Mr. Taylor under center <laughs> and and feel like at least, you know, you're going to get some wins and you're going to be competent this year. They they have no such I think thoughts with with Nathan Peterman. And especially when you he's a big dude line. who can run too. Don't forget about those rookie right. they, QB touchdowns that he's going to make. The Bills do play the Chargers week two. We don't want to see that. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it? Wait, is that game here in LA? Or? Yes, it is. Oh, see, I feel like that would just be flashbacks. Be like, oh like, no, I'm sorry, it's in Buffalo. Oh, okay. Because I, I can't imagine Nate Peterman walking back into the StubHub <laughs> Center and not having some sort of flashback. He might call in sick that day. <laughs> right. <as> <laughs> Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch there and see how that quarterback situation shakes out in Buffalo. A quarterback situation that we kind of have a better idea about is in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz still working his way back from a late-season injury. He has been medically cleared for 11-on-11 practice drills. We're not going to see him in the preseason. The Eagles have kind of made that clear. So we will probably go maybe some combination of Nick Foles, although he had a minor shoulder injury. Nate Sudfeld has gotten a whole lot of work. But, I mean, Dave, does it make – you talk about not rushing. You know, no need to put Nathan Peterman out there. Is there a need to rush Carson Wentz back out there at this point? I guess not. But by the way, shout out to uh, as a, my fellow Hoosier, uh, Nate Sudfeld, uh, under center there, getting his shot at it. But either way, yeah. Um, I, I, what I'm fascinated by transcends mere fantasy. And the real-life drama in Philadelphia with the, the, the soul of the Eagles fan is, uh, is going to be compelling here to see if they revert back. What if... So that so they start against a really good Falcons defense, you know, and that Falcons team almost beat them in the divisional round a year ago. Is it possible that the Boo Birds might come out if Carson Wentz is out there for that first one and he throws a couple of bad balls there and the the fans start clamoring for their Super Bowl hero, Nick Foles, <laughs> and the whole thing could get sideways? I think that's a legitimate possibility. But, yes, I think that Carson Wentz, you're going to be able to get him at great value because people obviously covet the short term in, uh, in the fantasy draft, and so Carson Wentz is going to slide there. Don't forget that he was in line to win the MVP a year ago, and uh, so you're probably going to be able to get him in the later rounds at great value, like I say. See, I actually have Carson Wentz as a bust coming into this year mm. because wow. you haven't really been getting him at a discount, at least in the drafts I've participated in. I've seen him going top five, six quarterback usually, and I already had concerns if he can replicate the success that he had last season. His 7.5 touchdown percent, 26 higher since post-merger, uh, post-merger and if you want to go recently – it's the sixth highest since 2010. So I right there thought that, all right, we're probably going to see that fall back a little bit. It happened to Cam Newton after his MVP season. It happened to Matt Ryan after his. So I thought Carson Wentz was going to fall in line with those guys. But now you're telling me that he's not going to get any games in preseason. All he needs is one week of 11-on-11 practices to be ready. I have concerns there. And I also have concerns if he's going to – trust you know his rushing ability coming in early in the year or if he's going to be a little bit more hesitant to run so I think early on in the year it's going to be a little bit of a headache to own Carson Wentz so he's someone that at his current price I've been avoiding yeah I can see that um I, I think I just kind of stayed away from him in general just because I don't know what's going to happen I like him I think he's a, he's a he's a fantastic quarterback with the upside I just think if you're the Eagles from a football an actual football standpoint there's no need to rush him you have your Super Bowl now Right. There's no need to rush your guy out there, potentially have him messed up for a longer period of time because the pressure's kind of I mean, I know it's Philadelphia and the pressure's never really <laughs> off, but the pressure's kind of off at this point. So I, I just I'd be shocked if we saw. But like I say, what if it has to be Foles for by hook or by crook? It's Foles and Foles wins again against a good Falcons team. Is there going to be any sort of 
pressure to say, well, we should just stay with Foles now at this point. I mean, I, I, I know that they're not going to do that, but that's going to put Carson Wentz into a really tough spot, a tougher bind if Foles performs in week one, let's say maybe even week two. How are you going to yank the guy? They're going to put Wentz back in there. He is the franchise QB, but you know that that's going to add pressure in the toughest sports town there is in America. I feel like this is a guy from Western PA trying to stoke a con- quarterback <laughs> controversy with the, the cross Hey, no, no, rival. no. Anyone can tell you. I will tell you the Philadelphia Eagles are America's true team. Forget the jazz about uh, what happens (laughs) in Dallas. That's America's team. I can get behind that uh, Eagles team. All right, cool. Uh, Last bit of news. Jarek McKinnon will miss the rest of the Niners preseason. Suffered a strained calf in practice last week. Now, Matt Breda is already temporarily out with a shoulder injury. The Niners went and signed Alfred Morris last week. That sort of feels like just adding depth. Uh, any reason, Mike, to be scared of Jarek McKinnon right now? Not because of the injury, but McKinnon has – I know I'm going to sound very negative like because I, I said I had Wentz as a bust. McKinnon is another person that I have been avoiding in drafts this year. And the reason is because I worry about him now being this workhorse back. And, and we've heard reports that he's not going to be that. But And I, I get it. He's in Shanahan's system. I like him. I think he's in a good position there. But – In his two seasons in his career where he was asked to carry the ball 150 or more times, his yards per carry were below four in each of those seasons. In one year, it was 3.4. He's never really been asked to to work near the goal line, so I just have concerns if he can hold up. And the injury, while it's not the reason I'm avoiding him, to me, that's one little red flag there. All right, he's already got a little banged up as the, the RB1 here. So I just have concerns if he can hold up to that workload, and if he does, if the efficiency will take a hit. Well, listen, you know, uh, consider me a guy who stayed at the Carlos Hyde party a little too long. I think that uh, <laughs> that I am his biggest fan, and I think he is going to have a good year up in Cleveland. I don't like it from uh, in raw football terms. I like Hyde over McKinnon. However, on the other side, are you going to – are you really – am I in a position to doubt what Kyle Shanahan thinks is going to work best in his system? The bigger issue to me is how much is he going to have to practically split carries with with anyone there because they do have a couple of decent options. By the way, poor Alfred Morris. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I know, right? How productive has he been over his career? And he's just this afterthought anywhere in the league. He knows the system. It's so weird. Yes, I think he could have a decent, I, I, you know, and I like Joe Williams too, but it does feel like Jarek McKinnon with that swap out is intended to be the feature back. In PPR leagues, I don't do PPR, but if you do, I think that he has, uh, he has a lot of value. Can there. we just talk about the fact that Alfred Morris, were it not for the fact that he played on the same team with RG3, Alfred Morris might have been the rookie of the yes! year. Yes! <laughs> except RG3 just had a bananas year on the same roster. Then he, had a, he, he performed reasonably well in Dallas, too. Right. Even then, he didn't get credit. Everyone said no. oh, he was a product of RG3. Right. So. Poor, poor Alfred Morris, man. <laughs> he's a, he seems like a good guy, and he's a good player. He just can't ever – he might be the Rodney Dangerfield of the It's weird NFL, already. Right? Yeah. Just can't get any respect. I hope he breaks out. <laughs> I, so, I do, too. Anyway, that's pretty much everything you need to know. Is this films? Yes. Oh, nothing better than NFL films. This is a 60s one, right? No, no, maybe that. Right at the end there, really. It might be that a little 70s. Yeah, a little Sam Spence there. Kind of the the turn between Sam Spence, the greatest composer in American history. Wow, that's good knowledge. Um, (laughs) All right, so let's talk some some AFC North football. We got Dave Damashek here, who obviously his bailiwick is the Steelers, but can certainly talk a lot of other things. Maybe the biggest news out of that division, and, and maybe in football right now. 
Josh Gordon is back. He made his announcement over the weekend that he's back with the team. He hasn't practiced with them yet, but he's back at practice. He's kind of watching. He's back in meetings, all that good stuff. So obviously the question becomes with Josh Gordon. And, Mike, I'm going to start with you because I know you wrote about this recently over fan tracks. Where are, are you worried about him? Where are you drafting him? How are you looking at Josh Gordon? I am. And maybe this is wrong on me. I've always been a sucker for Josh Gordon. I watch him play, and I just you could see how immensely talented he is. So at any point in recent years where there's been a report that he might be back, I was always, all right, pick him up. He's gonna <laughs> If he ever sees the field again, he's going to be worth it. But I think him and Tyrod, can I call him Tyrod or do I have to sure. say Tyrod? Why not? Um, I think him and Tyrod. Tyrod is not an, uh, an option. <laughs> Tyrod. <now. laughs> I think him and Tyrod are just a, a really good match. And there's this like belief that Tyrod Taylor, because he doesn't turn the ball over, that he's a game manager and he doesn't throw the ball down the field. And to me, that's just simply not true. Uh, in 2015, his first season as the Bills starter, he ranked third in dot average depth of target amongst all quarterbacks. Uh, it was at 10.7. The year after, he was at 9.8. And last year, without a true deep threat at all, they were throwing out, I mean, guys that I, we might be faster than as as their wide receivers. He had an 8.8 dot, which ranked 19th out of 40 quarterbacks last year. So he will throw the ball down the field. And that's where I think Josh Gordon who is a guy who could do more with less than Jarvis Landry, I think he can really benefit there. And in the season where Watkins was healthy in 2015, he had 60 receptions, uh, just over 1,000 yards, and nine touchdowns. I don't think it's crazy to think that Josh Gordon can replicate and maybe even build off of that because he is the most talented receiver that Tyrod Taylor has ever played with, at least in my position, So, in my opinion. So the fact that he's willing to throw the ball down the field at times and take those chances – I'll take a guy who could do more with less than Josh Gordon over his teammate. It's a, it's a great right coming off a conversation about Alfred Morris. Maybe we should put an all-underrated uh, fantasy team together. <laughs> uh, toe Rod. I don't know what that's about. But toe, anyway, whatever his name, Taylor, is I, that is something that people have slept on for a few years now. He is one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. And as you point out, yes, Josh Gordon's one of the, one of the guys that you want – in uh, in that sort of a passing game, yeah, and you you, you do the the simple math of what Jarvis Landry is going to be doing underneath and the distraction that he's going to provide to further free up Josh Gordon. Yeah, I love Gordon going into this season. I I, I do too. I I was one of the few people who wasn't worried about him being gone. Like I know it's hard to take teams at face value when they say stuff, but for whatever reason. I kind of believed Hugh Jackson and the Browns. They said he was just taking time off to get his mind right. So I wasn't really worried. And now that he's back, okay, so I know that he's, you know, his, his ADP right now is like a fifth round, right? But I feel like that's going up, right? Yeah. Everybody's going to be hyped up. So you got to, what, like third round? Let's maybe? hope we don't see too much of him in the preseason because that's what's going to boost that's him is everybody gets him. a look at him. Oh, he's ready to go. Right. Better for these guys to stay diamonds yes. in the right. rough for us. So I'm guessing third round maybe? So when I first – drafted him I did my first draft back in like early June I got him at the late fourth and I was very excited with that mm -hmm. but it's been climbing since really? and then it, it started to drop off again I think mid to late third early fourth is the right range for him right after guys like Stefan Diggs Tyreek Hill guys who I think also have the, the similar upside to Josh Gordon I think he belongs in that grouping all right um so this means the, the Dez to Cleveland stuff is dead now right there's there's no way that Cleveland you don't typically run. hear uh, many days after he visits, he goes through the entire uh, <laughs> hullabaloo, and then they say, you know what, Is now that we've had a few days, come, to back. The, come back, please. <laughs> Let's make this work now. I hope it's over. I say Josh Gordon supporter. Oh, 
There you go. <laughs> I, I'm wondering where he is. <laughs> all right, we're getting pretty close now. Dez, right. you going to land somewhere the already Cowboys or what? The could use a receiver. <laughs> <laughs> that, that actually would be funny. After all the acrimony and all the stuff that he goes back to Dallas, that would be kind of interesting. Um, James Conner has been getting some work with no left bell in training camp or in the preseason. We've seen a lot of James Conner. And the thought is – Dave Damashek, that he could be the heir apparent to Le'Veon Bell. I mean, do, one, do you believe that? And two, are you okay with that? No, I mean, listen, James Conner uh, goes out saying a great story. And I think that uh, I, I, I just, as a general rule, like you talk about Josh Gordon's availability this month, I refuse. And it, this is something I, I encourage everybody to do in their brain next August. Do not get seduced. By what you see in August, <laughs> it is a month-long lie to your eyes. Do not let it influence how you're going to draft people in in uh, when you sit down at fantasy. It has no import whatsoever. Maybe that makes me a bad company guy, but that's uh, but that's a fact. James Conner getting off behind that offensive line in August is not an indication to me one way or the other what he's going to be long-term with Pittsburgh. I think the more inter- interesting thing is, though, do they, for whatever reason, after giving him all those touches, Levy and Bell, that is, 400 touches last year, under the premise that he's probably going to move on from Pittsburgh or he may move on in 2018, they really ran, ran him into the ground. Don't, what does Levy and Bell have left? You just There is no historical evidence. Look at Earl Campbell and O.J. Simpson to, to summon a couple uh, long-ago examples. There is not a great uh, history for guys that keep getting those that level of touches year after year. The pounding that you take um, that uh, that Levy and Bell is ready to have 400 plus touches again this year. I suspect that maybe Mike Tomlin, for the good of the 2018 Steelers, not Levy and Bell's long term future, rather the the, the short term future of Pittsburgh, might use James Conner in September a great deal more than you saw him a year ago. See, I actually take the opposite viewpoint but for the same reasons I think that they are planning on moving on from Le'Veon Bell after this season so I think they're just going to run him in the ground while they have him I agree except don't you want him fresher for January that's that would be the calculation that would make yeah. me think it, it makes sense but they haven't really shown anything in the past that makes me believe that they're going to and then, by the way, as, as a wild card guy, Stephen Ridley is not a half bad uh, guy to, to throw yeah. back there. Not in your fantasy lineup, but uh, in real football terms, they can spell 26 better than they have the last couple of years. I'm starting to think this, you know, the running back in a free agent year who may or may not resign with this team, and like whether a team runs him into the ground or starts you know, factoring in new people, this is sort of the this is sort of the football equivalent of the in, in college basketball. Do you foul with a three point lead? Sort of thing. You, you foul on the three points or with a three point lead. You know that debate ranges. I, I feel like this is the new version of that debate. That was kind of convoluted. Anyway. No, I, I but I, I completely get what you're what you're saying there. And you know, ultimately, I guess you just go with, or at least I'll I'll go with pedigree when push comes to shove. And uh, there there are few, if any, better than 26 in the NFL. Um, other question about the Steelers offense that I had. It, any concerns that this thing is going to look different now that Todd Haley is not running the show offensively? No, I think it it'll look uh, it'll look very similar. As a matter of fact, more and more, it's one of those situations where seven is making a lot of decisions out uh, on the field, um, and uh, and you know the the coaching staff is deferential to him. Uh, to some degree, I don't think you're going to see major differences there. I think the the big question is at this point is 
are they going to get the, – the two questions I have as a Steelers fan and then from a fantasy perspective, can Vance McDonald's health allow him to be integrated into that offense? Because he's the guy who can really take off if he's healthy and ready to go out there. I mean, he's, he's a sneaky good option for you, tight end this year. And then the other question is, are, is James Washington – who is he taking catches away from? Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown, it's weird. If you think about Antonio Brown, and I've gone on and on about uh, his greatness historically, is you don't feel like when you watch him play, you don't feel like, boy, they're just trying to jam the ball into him no matter what. He gets his 10 or 12 targets no matter what. Don't worry about 84. I'm more interested in, do you just avoid Juju and James Washington both until hmm. one a- until something clarifies there? Because it's hard to determine – who the who's going to be the guy in 2018 opposite uh, 84 there for more for more snaps. Yeah, I, I still believe in Juju and I'm kind of coming around on James Washington as at least a late round dart throw sort of thing. Uh, and I started with you, Dave. I think this offense is too veteran. There's too many guys there like A.B. and Roethlisberger. Like, I don't think it matters quite so much who the O.C. there is. Now, these guys, they've been they've been working together long enough. They can figure out how to be successful. And they promoted their QB coach to O.C., so I believe that he's going to continue to run the offense similar to what we've seen in years past. Maybe put his own little twist on things, but I, I haven't really worried about the O.C. change. Uh, for Washington, I think it is worth mentioning that Martavis Bryant last year did have 84 targets, so I think – Washington is going to be one of those guys. He's better in like a best ball draft. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be inconsistent. We know he is a good deep threat down the field. I don't think you're going to be able to pick the weeks that he has a good game if everyone is healthy. But I think there will be some weeks where he outperforms what you expect. That's why I think I, he's better in a best ball. I still think he's kind of built weird, and he wears number 28, <laughs> which makes me think he's like a running back that got split out It is very straight. Yes. The, the, <laughs> the weirdo numbers uh, uh, trip me up all mm-hmm. the time, that's right. for sure. And you're right. For a guy who's, whose chief asset would or quality would seem to be the 50-50 balls, he's not built like no. that. Martavis <laughs> Bryant is built for that. Right. You know, this guy does not seem that, and yet the evidence for from Oak State and now in preseason, as much as I, again, caution you to beware <laughs> of what you're watching there. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he clearly has that gift. He, he knows how to do it. He's, he's got that Anquan Bolden kind of old man strength. A uh, couple other notes about the AFC North. I'm starting to believe in what I'm calling the Flaconnaissance, <laughs> that, that Joe Flacco is going to rebound and that offense is going to come with him. I, am, I, am I crazy for thinking this? Am I, am I out there on a big fat limb or what? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I saw that you put this in the rundown, and I checked out Joe Flacco right away to see if there was something that maybe you're seeing. And I would love to like kind of know what it is that you believe in Joe Flacco. I just look at him as – Someone who's always been a better real-life quarterback and doesn't put up monsters. That is stats. true. That part is true. But I look at it as, one, he'll be a little bit healthier this year. Okay. Um, and I just – I'm starting to buy in mostly in his weapons, you know, with Matt Michael Crabtree there, uh, John Brown, if he's healthy and, and can play again. Uh, you know, I'm starting to buy into – maybe it's the, the hair coming out of the back, but Hayden Hurst <laughs> is starting to get me excited. So I, I feel like there are, there are more options there in this offense than there have been in the past, and that combined with his health – Plus, I just keep holding on to this narrative, true or false, that Lamar Jackson will do for Joe Flacco what Patrick Mahomes did for Alex Smith last year. So that's that's where I'm coming from. You might be the only fantasy analyst rooting for Joe Flacco because everyone just wants to see Lamar Jackson. I don't know that I'm, don't know that I'm rooting for Joe. Like, I want to <laughs> see Lamar Jackson, but at this point, like, Lamar hasn't shown enough that he's going to get on the field consistently. The the Ravens have said flat out that this is Joe Flacco's job. So this that part is me just sort of, you know, 
accepting the reality of the situation and just trying to see what could happen from there. What are we talking about, though? I mean, uh, in fantasy terms, Joe Flacco doesn't have any value. <laughs> I do think I do think that Joe Flacco and that Ravens team does wind up back where you usually see him vying for the division title. No one's talking about them, but I think that they're your second-place team out of the North, and I think Flacco probably will have a, a fine season, but relevant in fantasy terms, that's a reach to me. And, and I do think it's a little crazy that everyone is just kind of like writing off the Ravens. If it wasn't for Andy Dalton and that you know incredible fourth down play last year, they make the playoffs. They're, they're in the playoffs. So. Their defense, here's the thing. In an age where everybody swoons for the Jags rightly and a couple other defenses, no one's talking about what they have going in Baltimore, and that defense is ready to dominate once again. Look out. And I'm not, that doesn't have anything to do with old man Suggs either, who <laughs> continues to be a marvel. But, and I mean, overall, that secondary is loaded. Look out for that defense. They play the Bills week one, so they are – my favorite defense to stream. <laughs> that, that, you know what? But 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 that also contributes. Obviously, if you have this dominant defense, they're not going to philosophically then when they get the ball have uh, five slinging it all over the place. That's probably true. All right, uh, last bit for the AFC North. Why can't I get excited about the Bengals like at all? I mean, I like AJ Green. I can't really. Marvin I, Lewis. I have, okay, <laughs> this is probably going to be a controversial take here, and I'm just going to throw this out here on the podcast. I've said this before. Equality in America is not Barack Obama being elected president. Equality is Marvin Lewis being mediocre at head coach and not getting fired after all these years. Pretty hot take. I've said it. I've said this now. (laughs) I can't believe I've been saying this for five years and I can continue to make this statement in 2018. In about 25 or 40 years from now, an inquisitive young football fan will, will look back at Marvin Lewis's deeds in the league and say, how did a man who achieved such perpetual mediocrity <laughs> retain his job for as long as he did in a league where most franchises, if you, if you have one down year, like, yeah, that's enough. Get rid of it. <laughs> how did Marv keep this gig so long? And how is Andy Dalton still his QB? What evidence is there that this is a winning formula? <laughs> how incredible is it that last year their season was so bad, but they played spoiler at the end, and they were like, all right, we're bringing you back. Got, can't well, get rid of 14 now. They were going to bring back Marvin Lewis, and his response is kind of like, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even seem excited about coming back for another year. And if, if their head coach isn't excited, there's no reason you should be excited. All right, cool. That makes me feel better. <laughs> and I'm, maybe yeah. if their offensive line is a little bit better, because that was sort of the, the hidden ingredient when, they, when Andy Dalton was kind of in that MVP conversation conversation before he got hurt three years ago if you'll remember that that's getting a little bit long in the rear view mirror there but again it's hard to not be seduced by the collection of skill position players that 14 surrounded with I mean the only limitation of that offense is that their quarterback is Andy I bought into that last year and it did not work out but it's better now it's (laughs) even better now like even AJ Green having him on your team last year was not fun because they had a bum (laughs) O-line if the offensive line's a little bit better then 14 should be a little bit better maybe Tyler Boyd I know this is anecdotal but that one play maybe springs him he's a talented slot guy potentially there Tyler Tyler Boyd is Buffalo's favorite receiver my favorite memory as a Bills fan (laughs) is is Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd that makes me feel sad but all right that's All right, so we're not excited about the Bengals, but I am excited about my next guest. Joining me now, one of my favorite people in the fantasy world and on Twitter, it is Liz Loza over at Fantasy Sports at Yahoo. You can find her on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. Liz, how are you? 
I'm wonderful, Marcus. How are you? How is Canton? Canton was outstanding. Wish you could have been there, but uh, believe me that uh, your guy Brad Evans held it down for everybody. Brad's a madman. He held it down for everybody. I, I It does not surprise me at all. I was actually booked for a work function. Otherwise, I would have been there myself. I liked Canton, Ohio growing up in the Midwest. It's like a weird place that I have fond memories from. This was my first trip to Canton. I had never been there before, so it was, it, it's a charming little town. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the, the center of it is the Hall of Fame, but it was great. I enjoyed it. Very cool. I'm glad you had a good time. Thanks for, thanks for helping Brad and his King's Classic out. Right, absolutely. So, want to get your thoughts. Obviously, fantasy football-wise, you wrote uh, recently about some of your rebounds. Actually, you wrote a group piece as some of your, your rebound people. And your rebound option, your candidate for this year, uh, was Jamison Crowder. Sell me on why you like Jamison Crowder to bounce back this year. Yeah, well, first of all, you mentioned Brad Evans. Like, if he won't quit Terrell Pryor and your <laughs> boy Matt Harmon won't shut up about – uh, Tyler Lockett, then I refuse to give up on Jameson Crowder. <laughs> Listen, I know that he had a down season in 2017. He wasn't able to build on the momentum of his 2016 breakout, but it wasn't because he's not talented. It's because he wasn't healthy. He had a hip injury just ahead of week one that he played through. And you know when players play through injury, sometimes that causes that cascade effect, which, tur- which was the case for Crowder. He wasn't really healthy until like the back half of the season. And when he was finally healthy over the final six weeks, he turned four end zone looks into three scores. It's a pretty solid conversion mm-hmm. rate. And it's also worth noting that he finally found the end zone in week 12, which was the same time that Chris Thompson exited the lineup. I mentioned that because Chris Thompson's still not 100%. The team, the Redskins, have just added, added Adrian Peterson. We know he can't catch many balls. That to me means even more looks for Crowder. I love his situation. And hello, the bromance between Alex Smith and Jamison Crowder is apparently blossoming at almost in a springtime rate, if you will. And their skill sets match so perfectly. This seems like a fantasy marriage made in heaven. I've, been, I've fearlessly forecasted Crowder to have 71 catches, 877 yards, and six touchdowns this season. Wow, all right. So now I've been big. I have been kind of uh, promoting Josh Doxson as a sleeper. Paul Richardson is kind of a deep sleeper. Any concern that those guys sort of eat into Jamison's production? I don't think so. I think they eat into each other's production, frankly. And also, if you have a, a healthy Jordan Reed, then there go your – there's another potential red zone – option that's going to to feed from or be taken away from both Richardson and Dawson. I mean, to me, Dawson, of the two, I like Richardson more, frankly, because I think he can do more than Dawson can do. And I do think that if Dawson was going to turn into something, it would have happened already. I like his hops. They're really great. But if you're looking for a PPR stud, especially, like I said, with Chris Thompson, not 100%, Jamison Crowder is going to be the guy. And again, I know last year Alex Smith pushed the ball downfield, but what has he done so well all the years before that, that short to intermediate yardage game, and that is where he and Crowder will hook up consistently. All right. uh, You also wrote about your six fantasy picks likely to exceed expectations. You're all upside team. And one of the uh, names, one of the names on there was, is close uh, to my heart as a USC alum. I want, I want the best for Ronald Jones. I really do. It hasn't happened so far in the preseason. Please, please, Liz, restore my shattered confidence about Rojo. 
I finally relented and moved him down in my rank a little bit. <laughs> I mean, because I, I just can't watch this film. And, you know, I think sometimes with fantasy owners, we have these hot takes and we're so sure of them and we've done all of the analysis and rationalizing in our heads. But you have to bend a little bit when evidence is showing you otherwise, right? Like, I'm not going to be, just because I'm stubborn about something isn't going to will it into existence. I like Rojo a lot. I mean, obviously you're a Trojan, so you've seen a lot of him as well and what he can do. The hope to me is that Dirk Cotter does a lot of dumb things. And there have been, I mean, Peyton Barber is not new to this team. He's on a one-year deal, and he's getting paid absolute peanuts. He has always been an afterthought in Dirk's mind, and it would surprise me if he doesn't continue to be. I mean, remember two years ago when Carter leaned on Jaquiz Rogers, who made, <laughs> I don't know, like as much as me, frankly, you know, and he was the every down back until surprise, surprise, he broke down after 25 touches or four weeks of of a 25-touch workload. And then even last year when Doug Martin was working in, through his suspension, he continued to lean on Rodgers, and then that didn't work out. And then Martin came back, and he was completely ineffective. And it wasn't until, like, the end of the season that he finally turned to Barber, who, again, I have pounded the table for for years. It would be complete logic for Crowder to lean on him, and he just refused to. They're giving him zero money. So while I understand he is separating, Barber is separating himself from um, the rest of the pack in this backfield, I just don't believe that Dirk Cotter is um, open-minded or creative enough, <laughs> frankly, to not want the dude he selected over Darius Geist and use him, even if he's using him in a way that doesn't best suit Rojo's skill set. And, and also, come on, that touchdown during week one of the preseason, I know everyone's focusing on the drops, but like, and the YTC's not great, he's not being efficient, but that touchdown, I mean, he showed some definite bursts and what he could do in, in, in that opportunity. Uh, you're making me feel a little bit better, at least. That, that, I think. Thank you for that. Uh, um, you also, so you had Marcus Mariota. He gave, he kind of got your honorable mention of all the ups, all upside team at quarterback. You had Corey Davis at wide receiver. Um, dare I say you kind of maybe dig in the Titans offense a little bit this year? So I'm digging Matt LaFleur, right? Because I don't think you can look at a guy who's worked under both Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and be like, nah, I don't think he's got the good. When those two offensive minds have ascended to maybe a top five behind Sean Payton and Bill Belichick in terms of offensive creativity and effectiveness, so LaFleur certainly has the coaching tree that you'd like to see. The problem is, what does, especially Kyle Shanahan's playbook is so dang complex and thick. Can LaFleur, in this opportunity, teach Mariota and the rest of the Titans offense all of the, the tricks quickly enough? So, like, I know Mariota is, you know, considered a really coachable prospect and, and a nice, affable guy, and he works hard. He's the first guy on the field for practice. Um, we see those videos all the time. So the question is, can he absorb it quickly the way that we're seeing Jimmy G do or the way that we saw Jared Goff, Jared Goff do? Although, let's be honest, I mean, Sean McVay was definitely playing Cyrano de Bergerac in Goff's ears a lot <laughs> last year. Um, or is it going to take a minute like it did for Matt Ryan? You know, so that is my only question. That's why he's on the all-upside team, and that's why he gets the honorable mention, because I think that – the tools are there. The weapons are certainly there as well. But the question is, 
can he process it quickly enough? And I do like the fact that LaFleur came in already like in the spring and was talking about working on Mariota's mechanics, wanting to widen his base, which he believes would improve the zip on the ball and maybe help that downfield accuracy some. So, you know, again, I, I like it. Um, just a side note about the Titans, Delaney Walker was injured and he's got this toe issue. I never like to see a toe issue. And Walker's been such an iron man at the position, but behind him is Johnny Smith, who I really liked in moments last year. I thought he flashed and he's a 92%, um, I'm sorry, 92 percentile spark athlete. So, Keep an eye out if you're digging the Titans like I am to see if Walker is limited for an extended amount of time. Smith, I think, is going to get a real opportunity. Um, Lover, you're running back bust. You, were, you talked about Kenyon Drake, and I a quick little video uh, about Kenyon Drake. I have talked for years about Frank Gore having just pretty much stiff-armed the careers of lots of running backs, and I don't think he's going to somehow just put Kenyon Drake on the bench. But are you kind of with me that Frank Gore is going to do enough to kind of wreck Kenyon Drake's fantasy value this year? Yeah, and I don't want to go totally narrative street on this one, but Frank Gore took less money to come home to Miami. And there is no way, now that he's home, he's not going to end with, uh, he's not going to punctuate the end of his career in his hometown, right? So, and Adam Gates is picking him for a reason. He's going to get those goal line looks. And I know that Kalen Balazs is getting chewed out by Ryan Tannehill. Who, by the way, welcome to the NFL, Ryan Tannehill. Since when did you start chewing people out? <laughs> but, you know, Kalen Balazs is not having the greatest camp. He's, he is a rookie, but he's also an inch taller and about 13 pounds thicker than Kenyon Drake, who is one of these, I love this hashtag that you started, um, best shape of his life, guys, having added <laughs> five pounds of muscle. But ultimately, you're looking at Drake, and people are drafting him as the RB20 overall for one month of production. This is a guy who every draft report said was not, quote, built to be in every down back. Sure, he could handle it for December. Can he handle it over 16 weeks? I don't think so. I think that's why they've added Frank Gore, especially to help with those hits near the, uh, in the red area of the field. And if Belage is able to evolve his game a little bit. We're looking at a timeshare. Other guys who are being drafted behind Drake, you've got Lamar Miller. I know that he has disappointed, but what do we always preach in fantasy? Volume, volume, volume. Miller's going to get the touches. You've also got on Johnson and Royce Freeman going behind Kenyon Drake. I like their upside a lot more for the same price, so those are guys I would take ahead of Drake. Uh, talking to Liz Loza, you can read her work over at Yahoo Fantasy. Okay, so this isn't necessarily about players, but I got to ask a kind of a cool story, right? You uh, took over a fantasy draft for a couple, like, why was going into labor. She has a fantasy draft starting at that time, can't draft the team. You take over. Explain exactly how did this, how did this happen? Yeah, it was this um, weird series of events that occurred. I was at our office and in meeting after meeting after meeting. And I saw this tweet because I wasn't necessarily paying attention to the meetings, <laughs> but looking at my phone. And um, I saw this tweet from this gentleman in Nashville saying that his wife was going into labor. It wasn't a planned labor. These things as a mother or two rarely are, but <laughs> she was going into labor and, um, was refusing to auto-draft her team. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll do it for her. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let me, I'm here in the building. Let me talk to our product people. We've got, 
I don't know, 30 engineers in the building, right? Like they should be able to figure out some sort of hack. So I reached out to them. And in the meantime, I had to, I live in the Valley, which is the 405 separates where our offices in Playa Vista versus where I live in the Valley. And I wanted to go home to draft because, um, and my kids were coming home at a certain time, so I wanted to, like, <laughs> if I drafted at the office, I wouldn't be able to beat the rush hour traffic to get home in time to get my kids. So I raced down the 405 in a totally legal way, of course, <laughs> uh, never checking my phone as I was driving on the freeway, uh, and got home and drafted, her name was Sarah, Sarah's team, so that she could focus on the task at hand and just be completely <laughs> present. And, you know, her husband at one point texted like, I can't believe this is happening. My wife is pushing away while Liz Loza is, <laughs> is um, <laughs> drafting her team. So I ultimately, people are, people ask me about it now. And I just say, listen, mom, we deliver. That's, that is fantastic. That's, that's a great story. Although I got to ask, so like, how, do, how do you feel about how the draft turned out? Um, so there was, one moment I was, I got her, I'm like really digging Tyler Eifert's value at tight end okay. this season because I feel like the top, and, and I get it, like he and Reed, I know, I know they're so injury prone, but that is baked into their value this season that I don't mind it. And so I'm, I'm taking Tyler Eifert, but I'm backing him up with um, like OJ Howard in a lot of leagues if I can. And I really thought I'd be able to do that for her, but I was sniped on O.J. Howard, and I freaked out to a level that I normally wouldn't have freaked out because it's not my team. I was like, no, I can't take a <laughs> instead. If I take a I'm reaching. Oh, my God. So I, like, wrote this whole paragraph um, to both of Sarah and Zach, her husband, saying, like, listen, I know the Tyler Eifert thing looks sketchy um, compared to the bench, but I promise you, Gasecki's still on the waiver wire. If you feel like you need the upside, feel free to drop one of these guys. <laughs> like I apologize for it or explain my way through it. That's that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. All right, so Liz, as I let you go, uh, I always like to ask my guests for their pick of pop, the thing in pop culture that has caught their attention. They feel like they have to share with the rest of the world. Uh, I have a couple right now. I feel like we're living in such an incredible time of television and literature um, for TV. I finally started to dig into season two of Glow, which is a show by Benji Cohen, and she is just doing the Lord's work. I mean, she is <laughs> taking on. She also created Orange is the New Black, which is running simultaneously. I mean, I don't, her deal at Netflix must be second to only Shonda's. But <laughs> she, uh, I mean, Glow, the second season of Glow is taking on racial inequities, working momhood, uh, the, the the like workers rights i mean it's just it's an incredible show that's much more that's about much more than just ladies wearing leotards and beating each other up it's about friendship and loyalty and a whole lot of things so i'm i'm loving every single episode of that and then i have to mention a book i just read i am an unabashed bookworm i don't care if it's considered nerdy or, or whatever but i read this incredible novel by george saunders called lincoln and the bardo it is he basically uses historical quotes from the time that he found and pulled and then combine it with, with his own creative fiction. And so it's basically a retelling of Abraham Lincoln during the time in which his son Willie died. And so they're using all of he, so the author is using all of this factual information 
to describe Lincoln's demeanor, but also he's created this whole underworld, which includes Willie's ghost and different ghosts um, from people of the era. And it's so character rich and just incredible, not just about the love between a parent and a child and that intensity, but also stems into a million other issues. And I, I have never read anything so creative it's like the first time I saw Memento, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I like that or not, but I've never seen the story told that way. And that's really how I feel about this book. Plus, I'm from Chicago, so anything Abraham Lincoln geared really, um, really, is really in my wheelhouse. So I, I loved that. Again, it's Lincoln in the Bardo by jo George Saunders. It is a heavy read, though. So, you know, don't take that to the beach. All right. I, I always appreciate a good book recommendation, so I will keep that one in mind. Also, some good news for you. I don't know if you saw this morning, but Glow has been already uh, renewed for season three, so you'll have more of that to look forward to. Oh, I hadn't. I hadn't. I am considering being Betty Gelfin for, <laughs> for Halloween. I mean, I think I've got some Liberty Bell in me. That, it, it might work. That would be fantastic. Liz, appreciate the time. Great stuff. Thanks. Take care. Thank you so much, Marcus. Thanks to Liz Loza for her time. You can find her work over at Yahoo Fantasy. Also find her on Twitter at LizLoza underscore F. F. All right, so we talked about it a little bit at the top of the show. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, we've been doing it wrong. Apparently, it's not Tyrod. Well, it depends who you ask. I guess his father calls him Tyrod. His mother calls him Tyrod, which I feel like mom kind of trumps that. She kind of <laughs> wins in that one. So I know the official stance of NFL media is that he is Tyrod Taylor. So what I want to do is go through some names in football and outside of football that tend to have sort of fluid pronunciations, and so I wanted to get you guys' take on how you pronounce some of these names. So give me that drum loop, please. All right. Steelers running back. Is it Le'Veon Bell or Le'Veon Bell? I'm going Lev. It's Lev Bell. Oh, Lev Bell. All right, so we got Le'Veon Bell. There. All right. Uh, Falcons running back. Devonta Freeman or Devonte Freeman? I believe Devonta is the proper way, but I say Devonte. Is that right? It's supposed to be Devonta? I think. Huh. No, I've been doing it wrong, and now I feel ashamed. <laughs> I've been calling him Devonte this whole time. Uh, all right, so longtime kicker. Adam Vinatieri or Adam Vinatieri? Vinatieri. Vinatieri. I've never heard the other way before. I've heard it the other way. I've heard it the other way. I go Vinatieri. That's how I've, I've always pronounced it. Um, Cardinal safety. Is it Antoine Buffet or Antoine Bethea? I say Bethay. You say Bethay, eh? Yes. See, I go, I'm going old school. Bethay. Uh. I think I think that he actually has pronounced it multiple ways himself, so that adds no clarity to the situation whatsoever. Um, all right, getting away from football. Charlize Theron or Charlize Theron? I've never been clear on this, and I mix and match it myself in the same <laughs> conversation about her. I'm going to go Theron. I don't know who this is. What? What? The, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm sorry. You don't know who Charlize Theron is. No. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. I don't even know. What to, this, this, is is, gonna, this, this, this is ground the segment to a halt here. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been this upset since uh, Cole Wright announced that he'd never seen Goodfellas or The Godfather. Wow. I've seen Goodfellas. I've never seen Godfather. Wow. What's wrong with you? Uh, okay. Next one. Don't know who Theron is. Demi Moore or Demi Moore? I know it's Demi, because okay. it was Demi for a long time. I'm guessing Mike has no idea who this I is say, either. I say Demi. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know who that is? Borderline. <laughs> 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 All 
borderline, you uh, know who Demi Moore is. Uh, but he didn't know Charlize Theron, so I, I'm confused here. Um, Have you looked her up yet? Look her up on your computer there. Okay. I did. Uh, and you just still didn't know her. Not with any confidence. Wow. She won an Academy Award, bub. But she was in makeup and didn't look like herself in that. That's movie. true. Did you see? <laughs> Ma- did you see Mad Max? No. <laughs> this is something I always get made fun I, of. You know There's what? A lot of movies I haven't seen. You know what, Marcus G? I think that this is actually good news for the fantasy players out there. He has. He's not distracted with with <laughs> this anything is true. else. This is All true. this is his whole life this is, is just is uh, working the numbers for you. That's great. Okay, last couple. Um, Character actor Steve Buscemi or Steve Buscemi? Buscemi. I'm going Buscemi. That's yeah. how I've always gone. Uh, and then last one, we'll stay closer to home here at NFL Media. Is it Dan Hansus or Dan Hanzus? I mean, I've never understood the the, the entire family's uh, refusal to embrace what could be the coolest thing ever. Zeus, right? The god of gods. He throws lightning bolts, and you're just gonna you're just gonna resist it. Kansas. Why? why? We go Zeus. Well, and he's made it hard on us because he refers to himself as the old Zeuser, but then he says it's pronounced Kansas. I'm like, well, that should make you the old Zusser, and that's just not fun at all. I agree. (sighs) Mistake. Mistake. Anyway, those are some of our fluid pronunciation. Do you ever have have conversations with your makers, your namers, uh, Marcus, and and, uh, say, I know that you tried to make my name special with the extra A, M-A-R-C-A-S, but you've probably devoted, if you add up all the seconds that you've spent explaining that to people. No, no, it's pronounced Marcus. It's just spelled differently. It probably adds up to like 40, 45 minutes of life that you're never going to get back. Yeah, I've just decided that my parents have doomed me to a lifetime of misspelling. They were trying to to help you. I talked to Brandon Cooks about that. I I bring that up because I like the name drop. He's Brandon, yes. I said, you know, aren't you cross with your mother? And he's like, yeah, but, you know, what am I going to do at this point? Right, I mean, it's your mom. Like, you can't really be all that upset about it. Uh, anyway, that'll pretty much wrap it up for us. Thank you to Dave Damashek. Appreciate you stopping by. Thanks to Mike Florio. Thanks to Liz Loza on the phone. Thanks to producer Christina, Eddie Murphy, who was sitting there as well. And always remember, you don't get old being stupid. I'll see you on Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.